1: studios, the Osbiers COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello. Hello. It's the 20th of December, 2022. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in markets and business. And in this case today, Scotty, the BOJ. Um, Yeah, that took the market by surprise. Nobody, no economists had forecasted any change in policy from the BOJ. I mean, this was like a PS in our morning stand up this morning. Oh, yeah, we've got the BOJ today. It's been so long since they've done anything. Christmas miracles do happen.
0: Yeah. Who had uh, the Bank of Japan derailing the uh, Sandy Rally prospects uh, and the final nail in the coffin? for 2022 because that 's exactly what it did today didn 't actually change policy settings but uh, it was the uh, mechanics of how its yield curve control program uh, worked which really did the damage today they widened the trading band that uh, the 10 year uh, bond is allowed to go and fluctuate in the yield and uh, the widening of that band uh, whilst it 's in both directions it can go and do that there was a lot of market pressure that was uh, trying to go and apply to the top side given what we 'd seen in other parts of the world and yields rising. And uh, naturally, yields absolutely shot up. And uh, look, uh, the carnage is real out there mm-hmm. at the moment. Uh, at this point in time, the Japanese yen is up around about 3% against the greenback. And uh, yeah, the uh, Nikko 225. Uh, Heavily laden with uh, exporters and uh, obviously quite, uh, quite influenced by movements in the Japanese yen as well, off around about 3%. And unfortunately, we couldn't escape that carnage. A pretty ugly day for the local market.
1: Yeah, we'll get there in just a sec. But basically, you know, for those playing at home, the Bank of Japan has relaxed its yield curve control, lifting its yield target to about half of a percent. Uh, as far as I'm just checking breaking news, we are still waiting to hear from BOJ Governor Kuroda. Scuddy, do you think he'll try to dismiss this as something technical or shock horror, is the Bank of Japan you know getting increasingly concerned about inflation?
0: Well, I be mean, very soon to see what he says in his press conference, because I've got to say, I read through the, uh, the document pretty carefully, and it's been a while since I've actually given two hoots about yeah, what no the Bank of Japan are up to. That's, that's, a, that's the kind of day it is, and I used to follow them quite closely. But uh, the language about its uh, concern about the inflation outlook um, almost becoming entrenched, that's uh, the best way I could probably explain it. Uh, without the, uh, the cultural difference between Australians and, uh, and Japanese. That was one thing they are focusing on, but then at the same breath, they're talking about increasing the amount of uh, JGB uh, purchases. So essentially, uh, you know, they're looking to go and buy more bonds, but uh, they'll be happy to go and do so potentially at lower prices. Wouldn't we all want to go and buy things at cheaper prices? But in the, uh, the net effect is that we know the interest rate differentials are such a key driver of that dollar-yen pair. And uh, when you go and narrow those uh, differentials, as we saw today with the, uh, the Bank of Japan, uh, certainly a, a big move. Uh, it's an effective tightening of financial conditions which tried going bang on about in my views from time to time. That's exactly what they delivered today. So it is effectively a tightening in monetary policy. Mm-hmm.
1: There you go. So um, it did impact trade here today. Down for a fourth straight session was the good old S&P ASX 200, off by 1.5% by the time all was said and done. And uh, all sectors finishing into negative territory. The tech sector fared the worst. So don't forget, we did see the NASDAQ hammered on Wall Street overnight as well. Um, This, according to ComSec, I haven't counted it myself, but I will do, saying only 13 of the ASX 200 index managed to record again. So that is a pretty dismal performance coming through. But yeah, I mean, even early in the session, Scotty, we had the materials space coming under pressure. Uh, Fortescue closing down by about 5%. We did see iron ore coming under pressure, um, you know, through the overnight period. I I didn't keep an eye actually on ore today in China, Dalian Iron Ore Futures, um, but it certainly was widespread, this negativity. And uh, to your point, you know, the Australian sell-off really did intensify in the wake of that Bank of Japan policy move. And uh, of course, as we're recording this, some Asian markets are still live, but uh, really spreading around the region. We've got uh, Japanese markets down by about 2%, the Hang Seng close to 2% lower, and the Composite off by 1%. Um, other than the BOJ, what sort of stood out to you today, Scotty?
0: The trading updates that are coming through yeah. from advertisers and those relying upon advertising are telling me that uh, we're entering a, a slowdown, but is it going to be a recession? That's the, uh, the key thing. But uh, some pretty key numbers coming out there, the softening up of uh, advertising revenues are clearly evident. Um, we're seeing that, you uh, know, across a variety of different names. Uh, the Dade Domain Group was, uh, was amongst them. And uh, as a consequence of that as well, Nine Entertainment, of course, the parent company, as well as another one uh, flagging those concerns. And then in the other retail space, uh, discretionary retail, uh, City Sheet Collective. My goodness. Uh, it couldn't get much worse. Um,
1: you know, I was talking no, that, to... That company...
0: it's Go ahead. Yeah, that that company is uh it, it's on track to be the uh dog of the year. It has been absolutely disgraceful performance and I think it's now down about ninety three or ninety four percent year to date.
1: It is, even a bit more. Mm,
0: just um, remarkable.
1: Look, it is I had a chat with James Garrish. That interview is available via the show notes. Uh, you know, about city chic, uh, there's a very real possibility that a capital raise will need to happen or it would have to go to try to fund some further debt because it's burning through the cash that it has. It won't last forever. It 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 was a former market darling. I mean, in the pandemic, uh, it was on the buy rating um, for many small cap investors, many investors in general. So this has just been a terrible story for investors looking for a half-year loss. Um, We also chatted with James about Domain and Nine, which of course brings into question, you know, what will happen with REA Group and uh, News Corp. And in fact, Nine and Domain were the stock of the days. Um, and, And so let's take a listen, shall we? Listen in to hear what our expert guests had to say about Nine and Domain.
0: So I'm going to say a sell-on domain as well. I, I think REA is better better business. REA is getting hit today as well yep. on the back of this downgrade and quite substantially. But the way to play REA is to buy News Corp because News Corp owns 60% of REA. Yeah, Same sort of story. Same sort yep. And I think News Corp in the US has got a lot of levers that they can pull with the Dow Jones NewsWise, all of those kinds of things. So I think that's a better buy if you want to get access to that sector can't believe this has really surprised the market. Sometimes the market, you know what, sometimes the market is really, really dumb. And it just waits to be smacked on the head with the with the bleeding obvious. <laughs> and this is bleeding obvious. I wouldn't be going anywhere near domain and I wouldn't be going anywhere near REA while
1: the while the RBA is raising rates. And we've got this massive cliff next year
0: in terms of interest rate payments and the big, big jump that a lot of people experience why would you buy stocks that are geared to housing? Really?
1: okay so yeah that's what I was going to say if you had asked me Scuddy I was going to say that uh, it was the trading updates coming they're calling them trading updates but like let's be real these are profit warnings. These are profit warnings where Australian corporates have had a significant deterioration in conditions and trading you know in the wake of their AGMs which were just last month. And coming ahead of reporting season. I dare say, if anything's going to keep us occupied over this Christmas sort of slow period, it could potentially be more of these warnings coming through.
0: Yeah, this uh, week is living up to its reputation for uh, delivering and taking out the trash uh, amongst the other corporates. And uh, yeah. Getting a lot of attention. I'm, I still might write about. It. I was talking to Cole about it. Uh, yeah, I'm give the uh, C-suite community a piece of free advice as an early Christmas present. But uh, we'll see whether I can come up with that in the next <laughs> few days. A few things to go and write about. Surprisingly enough, in the uh, the last week of the uh, the trading year for us, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly been interesting. There's uh, no real positivity out there whatsoever from uh, from the corporate updates coming through, which I think in itself. It's pretty
1: telling. Yeah, and um, you overlay that with the CBA spending data that came out today that is showing a slowing in spending. And a lot of people saying, more than last year, saying they're going to go out and try to find a bargain in the Boxing Day sales, which, of course, to my mind just brings the question, is that people you know, potentially bringing forward spending, if they know they need you know, a new fridge or a new TV or anything, which could impact retail sales further in the first and second quarter of the year. Um Look, uh, I guess one bright spot today is the fact that we've got Penny Wong heading over to China. It's been confirmed, uh, looking to help, hopefully, uh, thaw some relations, although I do note that Coke and Coal Futures fell, despite some of that positivity. Um, you mentioned CEOs, a little bit of advice for CEOs. I do note your view in the COB newsletter today, Scotty. Uh did you take that poll on Twitter whether Elon Musk should step down as CEO of the Big Blue Bird?
0: I did, and I voted yes, he should step down uh, for, uh, for full clarity and, uh, of my perspective there. Not because I think he should go back to running uh, Tesla, uh, but uh, certainly I just think that the way that, uh, that, that Twitter was being run and uh, just, yeah, as a, as a community platform and uh, where um, conversations want to be had by you know, a variety of different groups and uh, and, and viewpoints, I just think that uh, it was becoming a bit charting the way that it was being run. And I think it's a, it's a great platform. We're all on it, of course, and I uh, know to various degrees are active on it, uh, but I think that there's probably a better person out there uh, to go and run it, to got more of an eye about how it may go and work but uh, my view today is about uh, what the impact it's having, well, supposedly, uh, amongst the fanboy and fangirls out there with Tesla, about his distraction on Twitter, and uh, they're basically blaming that for uh, the Tesla share price performance. Uh, I won't go into full details, but uh, just have a look at the uh, the macro environment and everything we've just been talking about over the past uh, no, five or ten minutes or so. And that's what's really happening. It's an unwind of a bubble, folks. That's what's going on there. It's got nothing to do with Elon and he's tweeting uh, at this point in time.
1: Not only that, but reference the chart that I showed in the 10 o'clock hour today is that, yes, sales of Teslas are rising, but their market share is waning. There is so much competition in that EV space, and a lot of it is coming from China. So watch out, Tesla. First mover advantage. But how long? Uh, that will remain, you know, as the tailwind, the ultimate tailwind behind Tesla is another question. But yes, yes, we are clearly seeing an unwind in terms of all the free money that was helping to pump a lot of these stocks. What are you going what are you trying to say? You guys can't see you it, but he's putting up his finger. Awesome
0: what? You would, have, you would have had a pretty awesome MySpace profile page, I reckon, back in the day.
1: Never had MySpace. Never.
0: Oh, really? No. There we go. Well, see, MySpace was the original social media platform. And, uh, it was a market leader too, and yeah. uh, now no one knows about it. So oh, I
1: know. Yeah, <laughs> I know the story of MySpace, but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, not, it's not always first-mover advantage that goes and gets the, uh, gets the biscuits. And this is true. Yeah. Tesla's a fantastically innovative company, but uh, as you rightfully pointed out, and I've pointed out a few times in my, uh, my views over the years, uh, that certainly, there's a lot of great competition coming from established auto manufacturers that have got an outstanding reputation for building vehicles. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say.
1: Yep. All right. Um, look, I guess we should mention what else happened here today. I mean, there was the company stories that really did steal the spotlight. We did have the RBA minutes out today. I thought it was so interesting uh, that I read two different headlines from two different uh, research houses or banks. This is one saying that uh, the RBA considered a bigger interest rate hike. The other saying a pause was on the table. Well, we know that they delivered a 25 basis point hike. So, I mean, yes, the board considered all options. Is that the takeaway, Scotty?
0: I think so. And uh, being deliberately vague seems to be the best way. That was what I described it back when the actual uh, statement came out couple of weeks ago, but uh, yeah, keeping all options on the table, we know that they're going back to 50s, so there's more chance that they'll cut by 50 next rather than going hike rates by 50, in my opinion, but they're still keeping it on as a, a potential option. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's interesting, uh, I'm so concerned about uh, the track record for Ford guidance and the, uh, the reputational damage it's done through curve control and its pledge. To go and keep uh, rates unchanged until at least 2024 conditionally uh it's just now becoming even more messy i had a conversation off camera with a great contact that i'd like to go and speak to about these things a very senior economist uh, and their view was that uh, there needs to be change at the top of the, the uh, RBA pretty urgently.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, that's something we'll be talking about then discussing, no doubt, through 2023, particularly because we've got a lot of uh, talking to do when the RBA has its break come January. Um, look, I thought I would leave our listeners with a trading update that came through today that was very positive mighty craft so a beer maker spirits maker saw its share price up by close to seven percent no close to six percent apologies by the end of this very, very negative session here, put out a trading update, strong pr- trading performance, group sales at $20 million, up 138% on the PCP, which remember was impacted by COVID. So a lot of the venues being closed, but really saying that October, November looking good, momentum continuing into December. I thought of you, Scuddy, when they say that early trading conditions at the new Mismatch brew pub in Adelaide have come in line with company expectations. So if you haven't been, you'll have to go check out what everybody's getting excited about. But yeah, Mighty Craft has become profitable again. It's got uh, you know positive free cash flow. So look, we've, we're all getting out and enjoying what we can, potentially before some bite belt tightening next year, but um, Mighty Craft at least sounds pretty positive heading into this Christmas period.
0: Yeah, I've been uh, cutting back my alcohol contact a little bit, but I can go and tell you that uh, I have had a tipple or two of mismatch uh, down at one of the uh, other local pubs here in Adelaide CBD. So, yeah, good drop. I can understand why people are liking it.
1: Yeah, all right. Um, Look, tomorrow here locally, it's quiet, all quiet on the Western front in terms of economics here locally. Um, Tonight, we'll obviously see the reaction in global bond markets. I mean, we already are to this uh, Bank of Japan surprise move. Um, is there anything else big on the sort of data docket this week in terms of, you know, the U.S., what we're expecting? It's just been such a, a massive week, um, you know, as far as yet last week went with uh, the Fed and, and inflation, et cetera.
0: No, there's not a lot. There's a lot sort of uh, soft surveys out at the moment. We get a lot of surveys coming through from the individual uh, Fed uh, Fed branches and the like and don't know. Uh, consumer confidence surveys, you know, we, we've spoken about a uh, disconnect about what's going on with consumers and what's going on with the, uh, the real economy and, and, and nominal spending and the like. I'm not sure that's going to go and change in these releases. The, uh, the big boppers start to come through in early January and uh, much like it is at the moment, they're very thin trading conditions and uh, even a pretty small shock can go and lead to outsized moves. I remember a few years back, the uh, Japanese yen went for uh, a very, very big round trip on a fat finger trade. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting as we go and move into the early parts of 2023. One thing certain, I reckon is that uh, we're still going to go and be dealing with this kind of skittish volatile environment for, uh, for a fair while yet.
1: Yeah, well, we've got uh, Daniel Ives, who no doubt will talk Tesla and Twitter tomorrow morning. Um, I'm looking forward to speaking with Dermot Ryan from Residence Asset Management. That will be the last of the year. So we'll do a little bit of a stock review for 2022. What's on the shopping list for 2023? You'll be chatting with uh, Alex Leyland, I think tomorrow so that will be a good one to listen in for and we had a bit of news out from Ironier, Ironier today excuse me and uh, I'll be joined by the CEO Bernard Rowe at 1.10pm uh, plenty of other great guests though lined up for tomorrow I'm looking forward to it already but uh, Scotty I got a bit of last minute Christmas shopping I've got to run and do how about you are you done?
0: Uh yeah, we're deliberately kind of like scaling back a little bit uh, across our family at the moment. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're pretty much done and dusted. I went for a, a quick wander around Rundle Moor to go grab some lunch today. And I've got to say that uh, the shops were busy, but uh, it was far more busy in the food court than it was in the shops. And I was just thinking inelastic demand trends and everything else. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, certainly looking at some of those spending data that you've talked about uh, as well uh, with the Commonwealth Bank and also ANZ. Yeah, lots of uncertainty as to how strong things will be this uh, this Christmas. We'll find out, I guess, in the next few days.
1: Yeah, we will. Okay. Well, I'm trying to do my my bit, although you know, to your point, yeah, uh, yeah, I haven't haven't gone overboard. Not that I usually do, in all honesty. So, just to recap, the local market finished down by one and a half percent, seven thousand and twenty-four. Boy, getting awfully close to that 7,000 level as we head toward the break. Um, small caps really hammered the small odds index off by close to 3%. And as I watch, we've got the Hang Sang down by close to 2%. So that was the day. And uh, look, we look forward to joining you tomorrow. Scotty, I hope you have a good evening.
0: You too. We'll do it all again tomorrow.